Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So, as a business, imagine this. You can have 37% higher earnings per share growth. You can have a stronger brand and market reputation. You can have greater insight into your customer base. You can have greater accuracy in your financial reporting. In fact, you're going to have 40% less restatements per year. You're going to have greater creativity and innovation and strategic discussions. Who wouldn't want that? How about greater cohesion, collaboration, and communication in your overarching organization? Oh, and best yet, you're not going to show up in the Wall Street Journal headlines because there is less risk of corruption, fraud, and controversy. It's a dream for a business, right? Sounds too good to be true. But what leader wouldn't need or want this? And listeners, you are probably now asking me, Sarah, please, 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 how can I make this happen? Well, it's very simple. Just bring women on to your company board. I'm Sarah Alter, CEO and president of the Network of Executive Women, and I'm your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And in today's show, we're going to enlighten you and we're going to discuss the importance of having women on company boards and how you make that happen. I am joined by three phenomenal leaders who make this their very personal mission and why. We have Jocelyn Mangan, CEO and founder of Him For Her, Sarah Zapp, CEO and founder of Beyond Board, and Kim Villanueva, President and CEO at Centerstone and co-founder of Blue Spark. So let's start. All right. So Jocelyn, I'd love to have you kick us up. Why is this your why? What got you to this role? And tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how you're doing all that you can to get women on boards. Um, thank you, Sarah, for having me. Of course. So um, I'm happy to be here. This is my favorite topic to talk about. Um, how did this get to be my favorite topic? I think it starts with my background. So I'm a longtime tech operator. I started my career at the dawn of the internet in 95 um, <laughs> in a startup called City Search, which some listeners may remember, hopefully. Um, uh, I stayed with that company for nine years as they became Ticketmaster. It was kind of the wild ride of those Absolutely. early days of the, of the internet. Um, we went through an IPO, which I didn't even know what that really was at the time. I do now. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, that was nine years of my, my early career. And then I found my way to a little startup named OpenTable, which I hope more of your listeners know of. Absolutely. Um, and I stayed there for an entire decade of my career. And that was a pretty formative time for me. You know, so many things were happening in the world. Uh, remember, the iPhone didn't used to exist. Uh, and so it was born during that era. It really changed the trajectory of the company. I, I think it changed the trajectory of, of everyone's lives, especially how we eat out in the world. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, from there, I went to a company called Snag a Job where I was for 18 months. And um, it was then that I became a fellow uh, at, a, uh, at the Aspen Institute, which is where this company was born. But before I go to that, oh, I'll just mention, fantastic. Um, um, I'm myself a board member. So I serve on uh, the board of uh, Papa John's Pizza, which is a public company. I serve on the board of Chow Now. Uh, which is a private company. So I'm also an active board member now. So I'm really understanding in depth mm-hmm. what, what it is we're going to be talking about today. But him for her. So it was born in between my last two operational roles. I became a fellow, a Henry Crown Fellow of the Aspen Institute. The fellowship, if you're not familiar with it, it tasks its fellows with starting a venture they think will change the world. And him for her was my venture. It was a project. I never dreamed to be my company. I'm so happy to say three and a half years later it is. Uh, it was born out of my passion for women at work, which I think everybody can appreciate as a big category. And there's a lot of work we need to do, especially after the year and 18 months we've just had with this pandemic. Um, but I focused mm-hmm. on the boardroom because I knew just from operating that this is the most important room in business. This is where it happens. And I also looked at the data like we all do and saw it was largely occupied by men. And I knew, you know, we need their partnership if we want to see change. So I'm a product manager at heart, which is um, taught to go talk to the people that you want to change their thinking or, you know, understand their thinking. So I went and talked to 90 men to learn more. And I learned two things that shape really our unique approach to this, which is one, they all want to help. They're just looking for ways of how. And the second was when I asked them how they found their last board member, I got a personal network story. So my big aha coming out of my research was there's no pipeline issue here. This is a network problem. Mm -hmm. And if we could just ally with these people who are already in the boardroom, we could actually close this network gap. So that's essentially what we do as an organization. We have four pillars to our work. We extend networks. We build curated referrals for board openings. We do a lot of education um, and we do benchmarking because the private company space wasn't well documented in terms of their progress here. Um, and we're a nonprofit. So, so hopefully that gives you a sense of, of why, um, why I'm here and why this is a topic that I, I spend most of my time thinking about. Yeah. And that key point being, it's not a pipeline. It's a network opportunity. There are plenty of capable women and I love your reference to to the necessity that men be involved. Ergo, your name, right? You know him for her. I was on a partner call yesterday. Um, it was with Microsoft, and there was a gentleman on, and he said, "You know, men. Quite frankly, men have created all the problems, so we need to step up and fix them." <laughs> and, you know, and this gender equality opportunity clearly being one of them. So I loved when he said that. Um, so Sarah. Let's hear about your journey because you have another incredible organization that has that same, you know, focus and passion. And I I have to say so much uh, love and respect for everything that Jocelyn has built. She's done a fantastic job uh, at him for her. So I really, really love that, Jocelyn. Yes, I mean, I came to this completely unexpectedly. I had a unique background uh, in television. I was a local news anchor, producer, um, and host, and I was a national entertainment reporter and political reporter and business reporter and covered presidential campaigns and interviewed every big movie star and really understood the content side. And then ended up pivoting my career and going and working for um, 
a couple of young Harvard Business School guys and started building out a national young professionals organization, building out their national thought leader program and investor relations program. And after about three and a half years with that, you know, I started really looking at, um, you know, companies and the communities that, that really, um, you know, facilitated that and helped them grow. And I sat down with the chairman of the National Association of Corporate Directors out here in Southern California. And he said, you know, Sarah, 75% of companies and up to 90% of public companies find their board members through who they know. I said, yeah, David. I said, the problem is who they know all looks like you. I said, no offense. (laughs) And so you got this light bulb moment. I was like, we need to create a new who you know, you know, around women and diversity and the people who are looking for a new who you know, when you go to look for your board members, what do you do? Everyone's like, hey, who do you know? They go to their internal nominating committee. They want someone who's a natural, you know, cultural fit. So I said, we need to approach this from a community standpoint. You know, we really need to take a look at um, creating a new who you know, curating that in a way of great different women and diverse candidates in a vetted executive level. So we started building community. We started getting a handful of incredible um, advisors and business leaders across the country doing curated events and wanted them to really get to know them. So we really focused on networking with each other. We wanted great board members across the country to meet each other, to have a new who you know. We wanted the companies in those rooms. We built it around great content. So we'll bring in great top thought leaders, Mm -hmm. right? Let's talk to Ariana Huffington. Let's talk to, you know, Oscar Munoz, the CEO of United Airlines. Let's talk to Ashton Kutcher about tech investing. Let's have Katie Couric in the room and talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, upcoming new digital strategy. And these are the sorts of thought leaders that really built community that our board directors want to directly be in touch with, want to hear from, and want to be able to contribute from. And then on the other side of that, then we can move the needle and we can have the relationships and we can have the database to really have an incredible list of great diverse candidates that then we can help companies get onto different public and private boards. And that way we can be an advocate for them and, you know, say, hey, there's, you, you can't say it's a pipeline issue. We've got plenty of people. No. You can't say it's a yeah. cost issue. We're not asking you for money up front to meet these great people. And so then we can really move the needle. And we know once you start to get that diversity at the very top level of the company, the ripple effect and the butterfly effect that that can have. So we've built out Beyond Board, a national community of board directors that focuses on getting more women and diversity on boards. And I have to say, you know, um, it's a pleasure every single day to, to wake up and know that that you're that you're moving the needle and that there may be, you know, waves down the road that you never really expected. Um, and knowing also that there's a community there that other board members can can turn to and lean on for that overall rising tide mentality. And we'd love to have uh, a men a part of that um, as well. And that's that's always been our our approach is to create a new mm-hmm. who you know with the real rising tide mentality. So full transparency, I have engaged with all three of these organizations. <laughs> and that's why we love you. Love Sarah. them. <laughs> and they they absolutely deliver impact and value. And so it was like a no-brainer, you know, when this topic came up. It's like, who should we have come talk about this? So yeah, no, and 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 I love all three of your teams and all that you do. Okay, so Kim. Talk to us about Centerstone and Blue Spark and your why. What brought you there? Thank you, Sarah. And so fun to get to be part of the conversation. Uh, it's, it's also fun and wonderful to see what Sarah and Jocelyn have done because they've dedicated 100% mm-hmm. of their 
work that they're doing to this topic. And honestly, I wish I could as much as I would love to, but in every way that I can, I've been really hyper-focused on this issue. So I'm from Centerstone Executive Search, and we have a national retained uh, recruiting firm. We work with public-private PE boards, and we help them fill their board slots. So one of the things that we do is we create the actual slates. We do the research that goes into it, and we help make those placements. And the reason that this is really important is that um, some time ago, I began to recognize that there was something very different that was happening with respect to women and how they were being chosen as the person that would get the actual director role. And so I started recognizing that there was a lot of difference in terms of gender. And, and it mm-hmm. came down to the fact that uh, CEOs at the time uh, and boards wanted women who would be at a CEO level. And it wasn't realistic to think that there were a lot of women that were at that level. And in fact, we only have 41 women that make up 8.1% of Fortune 500 CEOs today. So Mm -hmm. we recognize that, you know what, if there are only 41, how are we filling all these jobs and making sure that we've got a pipeline that goes directly into that board? So one of the things that I uh, have been really obsessed with was the work that Alice Eagley has done, where she discovers or discusses really gender differences and prejudice, which applies to both gender and underrepresented groups, Mm -hmm. and really looking at what is my role in making that small change happen with the boards that I work with in terms of how you educate them in succession planning processes. And then in addition to that, we have a huge commitment to women to coach them, to prepare Mm -hmm. them to be able to move through the board process and be the one that's selected from those slates. So we've done an incredible amount of work, um, not just in the research side of it, but on how do you network effectively? How do you find the sponsors Mm -hmm. that are going to allow you to make the leap? And we do a lot of coaching on boards to explain to them that women that are subject matter experts are just as critical to board contribution as women that come uh, at a level that we typically would have expected them to come at. So very excited to be part of the conversation, super dedicated to this and, and really glad that you chose it as a topic. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love too, because all three of you, again, I, I appreciate this through personal experience, but there's how do you get a female leader board ready and how do you guide her in that journey, you know, to put her name in the hat, if you will, you know, to be on that, you know, selection list. But then it's how do you guide the company to make sure that they are strategically and intentionally making sure their board is diverse. But then that third thing is board productivity, right? And 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 that second thing really begets the third, because as I shared, you know, at the beginning, you know, the more diverse of perspective in your board, the more productivity you're going to end up having. So I shared the stats, like what business leader wouldn't want those stats, right? Why is it then that it's just not organically happening? You know, what are the, the obstacles, you know, that exist that's preventing, you know, a higher percentage of female leaders on boards and and I know too, Jocelyn, you had you you've got an incredible amount of data. You know, Sarah, you do as well through your organization. But when we were getting ready for the show, when you shared, um, and this was just, it was baffling to me that we don't all appreciate this. But public companies only represent one percent of the companies that exist. 
So like there's a plethora of board opportunities. You can't just make that public company role the holy grail. You know, Jocelyn, share with us some of the obstacles that you've encountered and how you guide individuals and companies to move past them. Sure. So, I mean, if you think about it, it's a, it's a marketplace, right? It's supply and demand. And as you mentioned, um, on the demand side, there's public and private companies and public companies are the minority. And so therefore the seats are few, fewer and farther between. And, you know, there's not a lot of turnover. And so I think a lot of right. what we read about is about the, the public company sphere, which is an incredibly important sphere, I mean, not to discount it at all. But what we don't read as much about is the private company sphere, because those numbers aren't as transparent. And the reason they're not as transparent is they're hard to get at, right? They don't mm-hmm. have to publicly mm-hmm. report. Right. Um, we did as an organization, the first ever study of the most highly funded venture backed companies. We started this study two years ago because we actually asked that question, which is, okay, one in five today is a woman in the public company sphere. What's the equivalent in the private company sphere? We couldn't find those numbers. So we partnered with Kellogg and Crunchbase and we did this, this study. We've now been able to do it um, a second year and we're working on the third year now, but the second year study showed that um, half, almost half of those boards are all men. Um, only 11% of the directors at these companies are female and only 3% are women, are women of color. So, so those are the, that's the landscape. Um, so lots of opportunity, which is the good news. And the other good news, as we've mentioned several times on this conversation, is there's no issue with supply. Mm-hmm. No issue with supply. I could say it 100 times. I'll say it another 100 times. Um, probably in the next week, but there is no there is no pipeline issue for any board opening. Uh, there is a diverse candidate that is qualified to fill the seat. the The challenge, as you as you asked about, is that people tend to look in their personal networks. Their personal networks don't tend to be diverse, and so the biggest yeah. obstacle that yeah. stands in the way is people taking that extra step. So all CEOs, all nomgov chairs. They have to look outside mm-hmm. the network. And, and to do that, you have to first set an intention that, that diversity is important. So that's step one. Um, and once you've said, look, diversity is critical and you've done the, the right work of looking at your board and understanding what the current competencies are and therefore where the gaps are, then you have to be intentional about where you go look for that, that candidate because the candidate exists. Um, there's many organizations where one of those, um, everyone on this call is probably a huge help for that to any board member who's looking for a diverse candidate, but they're out there. And, and not just one, right? Like there's no, right. You know, there's one a, is a start. One exactly. Is a start, but one is it, not enough. It, yeah. Exactly. And I, I wasn't able to find it, but I remember reading a study and, and Sarah, Kim, you know, jump in. It's not one, it's not two, it's three. You know, the ideal number would be three. Um, because you want you know somebody to feel, hey, I belong. There are others who have a similar perspective. You don't want the same perspective on your board. Clearly, you want different perspectives because you want to make sure you think through every opportunity and decision, you know, completely, but not just one. Um, Sarah, how about some of the obstacles that you're tackling? Well, well, to 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 
follow up on that as well. I mean, especially when you look at some of the private companies, you know, talking to the, the head of talent over at, at Blackstone and over at Carlisle, you know, they've made individual c- commitments at a minimum of 33% of their incoming uh, boards of all of their it. portfolio companies, you know, have to have to be diverse. That includes women and diverse candidates. And so you're starting to see these private companies, you know, who may not be affected by some of the statewide legislation, you know, that the public companies are, you right. know, internally right. do this. You see what Goldman Sachs has done in terms of not willing to IPO, you know, um, companies that don't have women on their boards. And so um, you really see these commitments on these private companies to really push for it. And this isn't because, you know, they want to throw a girl a bone or it looks nice. This is about money. <laughs> this is about good business. And I think that that Amen. at the end of the day yeah. is what this argument is about um, and, and really showing them that this is about breaking the group think. This is about looking at your blind spots. This is about better consumer insight. And that's what this argument is really about. You know, I always say diversity is what you don't have. And um, really pushing for women in that capacity, looking at different um, ethnicities and skill sets, and really looking at the board, you know, from a really portfolio perspective is, is really at the at the end of the day, you know, this isn't it looks good on your looks good on your website or because people are asking me to. This is just simply, you know, good business. And I and I love to see the research that him for her has done there on the on the private side because I think there's a little bit of misconception when people want to get out there and get on a board. You know, the public board is kind of the holy grail and then and the big name out there. You know, that's that's a lot of fiduciary responsibility. It's a lot of, you know, um, you know, um, public facing uh, and liability. And it's not necessarily the place where you want to really um, cut your teeth, really learn to get no. down and dirty yeah. with it. And, and, and these private boards have a great opportunity um, to, to, to get especially that first board position because we know everyone, you know, vets people for board positions based on the ones they have. They're like, oh, well, you're on that board, then great. You must be qualified to be a board member. So really getting that first one is where I think a lot of the emphasis needs to be. And Kim made a great point about, you know, pushing for people who are subject level experts, right? What a great way to be able to get in there versus necessarily having that typical CEO or CFO um, background um, to to solely be your, your whole credentials to get in. So I really think that the private space is a really exciting place to move the needle for um, for business success, for people to get their first board position, and to really become the kind of adept um, board leaders that once they get on there, um, they really can can, uh, make a big difference for these companies. Yeah, and there's so much more we could unpack, and we don't have enough time. To, To your point, Sarah, there's the legislated, you know, mandates you will have, like in California, X percent of your boards, you know, will be diverse and absolutely love those steps being taken. And then there's just the whole debate of, you know, um, as we do with elected officials, you know, you can have X number of terms and then we're going to roll because we want to make sure we have fresh perspective. It, it, I'm so impressed as we talk about this, I'm on a, a tech startup board and the CEO asked me to be on the board and he said, your sole mission is that you're going to, you know, you're going to hold me accountable for making sure that my board as we grow and scale continues to be diverse. He's like, that's it. You know, you're a sharp business leader. I'll tap into that. But you're here to make sure that that happens. What an honor, Sarah. I love that. Hey, you know what? The weight of the world is on my shoulders. And you will carry that well. (laughs) And it is my why. So I will make it happen. (laughs) Um, 
Kim, we're just about to go into a break, but just a couple quick obstacles you've seen. Um, I want to hear your perspective. Yeah, I'd love to. I think it's really helping people understand the difference between getting a coach, a mentor, and a sponsor. Um, many women are looking to find help in terms of just this entry into the networking process. And it's really coaches that will listen to you. It's mentors that give you advice, but it's sponsors who we're looking for Absolutely. as opening up these obstacles and helping women actually get the introductions that are going to be really critical. Yeah. I mean, just as in the business world, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you need that person that will advocate, you know, on your behalf. And, and that really speaks to, you know, you know, how do you know when you are ready for a board, right? And I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's not necessarily, hey, today I'm ready and I can get on a board. You know, it's a journey. It's an absolute journey. And in that journey, it's clearly tapping into and then elevating your network. And I know too, you know, Sarah, having personally experienced your group, I love in all of the events, you have both board candidates and then you have companies and leaders who need board members. And so it's the perfect network, you know, to make that introduction. Um, So, you know what, I'm going to head us off to our break. We're just going to take us just a short, short commercial break. Um, So please don't leave us because our second segment, we're really going to focus on, okay, how do you, if you want to get on a board, how do you get board ready? And more importantly, if you're a leader or an organization, how do you make sure that you are intentionally and strategically bringing women leaders into your board? It's just going to be a short commercial break. I want to thank everybody who's been listening in so far to our Advancing All Women podcast. You can check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. And today I have a special request. We wanna hear what topics you need and want us to cover. So if you've got ideas, please reach out to connect at newonline.org. So let's take our quick break and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership.
You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's N-E-W online.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. All right. Well, welcome back to everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Jocelyn Mangan, CEO and founder of Him For Her, Sarah Zapp, CEO and founder of Beyond Board, and Kim Villanueva, president and CEO of Centerstone and co-founder of BlueSpark. In today's show, we are discussing the importance of having women on company boards and how to make that happen. All right, so Kim, let's start with we we, we want to give advice and guidance and action steps, you know, for a female leader who says, I am ready. I can deliver great value to a board. And we've talked a little bit about it, but let's let's be even more prescriptive. So talk to us about your approach from your organization. Absolutely. So one of the things that we coach women on is recognizing, just as Sarah and Jocelyn have mentioned, that uh, public boards are not the only boards to go after. In fact, that's something that can happen way later right. in your career. It's, you know, many, many women are excited about putting a portfolio together of boards. And it feels like, as you said, Sarah, you know, public is the holy grail, but it it really isn't. I mean, there are incredible board experiences in nonprofit, private, um, and also advisory. And we do encourage women that are just starting to look at nonprofit mm-hmm. or advisory opportunities because they're much easier to get and you get the governance experience that gives you a really good feel for whether or not this is really something that you want to do over the long haul. And then one of the things that we did in our coaching is that we prepared a roadmap for how you land a board role. And it's something that you can do on your own or you can do it with coaching assistance. But the bottom line is it's just really recognizing that this is a journey. It's not something that you just head out, apply for, and hope that you'll get. It's something that actually takes a very long period of time, and we recognize that it can be anywhere from a year to 18 months. And it's a fun journey, but it's one where you really need to be prepared for the long haul and the excitement around sort of the networking piece of it. And we we really break it down into several steps. One is really the discovery process of what are you really good at in terms of subject matter expertise? And what is it that you can bring to the table as opposed to just pure level? And then we really want people to start thinking about how do you build that network out? Who are your allies? Who are your advisors? Who are the sponsors? Who are the nurturers? And to begin to recognize that they're all in your network and having this process of being able to really dissect that group and begin to recognize how you want to leverage them is super important. And then there's a lot of advanced preparation that needs to go into this. It's making sure you've got your background check done so that you are the one that finds things that might be a surprise later (laughs) that you also have a great board bio, you've got your resume set and you've got some really good references. And then you begin the process of figuring out where do you get the introductions and how do you get the interviews and how do you go through the process of really maintaining your momentum over this 18 month period as you go through this journey. And we do have a roadmap available. Anyone is welcome to have a copy of it. You can get it at centerstonesearch.com and uh, very happy to help. Our, Our goal is really to help women recognize that it's a journey and it's one that you need to find a lot of support in. 
So, so two questions. So one, and, and I love the advice, you know, because it's just getting the board experience, right? And so as, as you shared and, and it's reality, it's probably easier to get on a nonprofit or an advisory board. But how do you translate that then? Make that be that springboard to that, you know, private or then that public company, you know, because I've heard people say, oh, well, I'm going to be pigeonholed. You know, I've only done this type of board. I'm still not ready for that type of board. So, Sarah, how do you help us help our listeners figure out? Because you want to start somewhere, develop those leadership muscles and skills and flex them. But then how do you springboard from that? Well, I think Kim is right on right there that this is really about having a, a, a focused and a structured approach, not necessarily, you know, feeling like it's, a, you know, an agenda driven um, approach to, to, to tapping all into your network and wanting to suck it dry, but being very focused. And yeah. I would, you know, continue that on from this isn't just networking. This is a relationship building approach. And I really look at getting a board position as a seed planting process. You're constantly planting seeds. You're constantly nurturing those um, relationships. You're, you're staying top of mind. You're staying relevant. And I'm always shocked at where from your network um, that introduction comes from, that interview comes from. And I think it's really important to, to look at it in, in that kind of long-term uh, long-term approach uh, in that capacity as well. And, you know, I did a, a national um, um, talk and workshop for, for TED's uh, Women Conference and worked a lot with uh, Morgan Stanley about the difference between relationship building and networking and how that really builds to right. opportunities. And I always bring up a lot of um, Adam Grant's work. And he really mm-hmm. says, you know, that opportunities end up really coming from your weak connections and your life, like who you had gone to school with, people you had worked with uh, in past jobs, because that group is not as homogenous as your really tight circle. They tend to know the same people. They tend to know the same sorts of opportunities. So once again, you're going and looking at everyone who's in your world. You're diversifying yourself out there so that you can get on the radars of different companies, that you can let people know you're skilled, you're intentional, and um, you're looking for a, a board opportunity right now. And I always say this approach of, you know, help me help you. Like, if I'm going to talk about you, if I'm going to mention you, I need to basically understand who you are, right? You're, you're, you're an operator. What's your, you know, subject expertise? And even that little elevator pitch of really understanding who you are so that when someone is sharing that um, about you and, and you know, as, as, as Kim Absolutely. pointed out, you know, they help in putting together that structure. And that is that really that first step. Who are you as a board member? I, I don't want to know your professional background. We can see your resume. But in exactly. a nutshell, how can LinkedIn. you fit into a board? What is your board contribution? And really understanding what that narrative is and getting that straight really helps when you start a seed planting, helps when you start relationship building, helps when people then start to spread the good word about you. Jocelyn, um, great segue to you as well. And I know this is a big part of your board ready journey that you, you know, guide people through. Are you better served? in your positioning saying, I am this subject matter expert, or I am a, you know, broader thought leader? Yeah, so, um, you know, I spend most of my days telling women who are already qualified for boards that they're qualified for boards versus the other way around. So I think the, 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 You're the, first, thing, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, the first thing to, to kind of uh, ground ourselves in is that, um, 
you know, there's a statistic out there that women will apply for a job when they feel 100% qualified, oh, where I men know. will apply at 60% qualified. So I just want to start by saying, um, you know, when we even talk about board ready, I think it's important to take a step back and understand what that word even means, um, which is, and it's a very broad, <clears throat> excuse me, definition, because essentially you're there to guide a company, you're there to guide a CEO, you have fiduciary responsibility, you have strategic responsibility, but that looks really different for a Series A startup than it does for a Fortune 50 company. So I think, right. you know, when we look out there and we see board members, we see what the average is. And the average is a 62-year-old white male. That's what the average board member is. And so I think a lot of women sit there and think, well, this is something I'll do in my 60s when I'm retired. And the truth is, is that um, that's not necessarily the opportunity set that's out there. The opportunity set that's out there is many boards are looking for operators who are still operating. Mm -hmm. Um, Many boards are looking for people who don't have to be quote unquote, super senior in their career because the CEO of the Series A startup is a first time CEO and there's only two investors on the board. So they're actually looking for a product manager operator as an example. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think what, that's good news all around, which is there's a lot of opportunity uh, for people. And so I think understanding that you are board ready is, is really one of the biggest obstacles I see. Um, it's even harder for women who sit inside large organizations because they don't have C's in their title, because they don't go to the IBM board meeting. Um, and so, but yet they are running around with P&Ls and product lines larger than many exactly. private companies. So, yeah. so, you know, I think one thing is, is re- truly understand what it means to be board ready and, and know that probably if, if you think you are, you probably are. That's the example <laughs> I've seen most of the time. Um, <clears throat> and then when you're thinking about, to answer your question directly, yourself, we actually like to think about it across five dimensions of expertise. Um, And I think that's really important because I think trying to put yourself in a single lane is not really doing yourself justice in terms of defining, again, you know, Sarah said it so well, it's not about what you've done, it's about what you bring to a board. Um, And those five dimensions are functional, um, industry, business model, customer segment, and scaling. And that's also what we hear from the demand side. We'll often hear, you know, we'd like a digital marketing executive who's taken a company from 50 million to over 150 yeah. million, right? And so, so it's really important and, it, and it's hard to do that for yourself. What I often tell people, good hack, ask one of your peers to do this uh, about you for you, right? They'll likely see something in you that maybe you're not seeing um, in yourself. Um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, please, <laughs> you finish. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to say, so I, I think, you know, um, the final thing I'll say is, Try to get exposure to your boardroom. And what I mean by that is if you are in a large company, you don't get to go to your board meetings. That's fine. But you can still ask for a debrief. You can still ask to contribute to the materials. You can still ask to ask what happened, uh, find out more about what happened. If you're a leader in an organization, it's really important you bring people in the boardroom early. I was brought in at 28 to pitch to Barry Diller, and I'll never forget it. Um, because of that meeting, I moved to London for four years and changed my life. Um, and, and I was 28 years old pitching an idea. So, so someone gave me that opportunity and I'm ever grateful for that. So if you're one of those people, be sure you're inviting those makers into the boardroom, um, whenever you can. 
And one more thing I wanted to add off of that, Sarah, too, is, you know, you know, companies will come to us and say, this is exactly what we want. This is the professional level we want, the industry expertise or whatnot. But the big X factor is, is the cultural fit with a board. And that's what you really get once you start having some of these conversations. You consider people that you would have never considered before because they culturally really fit in. You know, there's, there's kind of that, you know, I've, I've heard board members joke all the time. It's like the airplane test. If I can't sit, you know, next to you on a, on an airplane from LA to New York. I don't don't want you on the board with me. And so those are the things that aren't necessarily, you know, laid out when they give you the whole, you know, descriptors of what that is. And that's why we really encourage having more curated conversations, you know, with someone that may have, you know, five out of the six qualifications you want. Just have more conversations with great diverse candidates because you'll be surprised sometimes at at what the, the synergies are between other board members, how they really fit in to the, the, the culture of, of the board. And that's what I always feel like the X factor is that ends up getting someone that position or, or not, or especially when Absolutely. they want to take, you know, a, a chance on a first time board member. But balanced with that, I'm not a yes person, right? To your point, I'm not going to come in and be disruption, you know, but I'm not that yes person. It, it's so funny as Jocelyn, as you were, were speaking, it dawned on me, you know, think about like this last 18 months, right? Who did you want on your board? The person who was actually living it in their job day to day, right? Yeah, or chief people officers, right? I mean, the right? biggest uh, issue we have right now is return to work and employee mental health. Um, one of the biggest issues, we have a lot of big issues right Indeed. now, but one of them is yeah. that. And so, you know, having people on your board who truly understand that function is something we're hearing more and more of, and it's so encouraging. I mean, utmost of regard and respect for the legacy leaders that have changed the face of business through the decades. But in this past year and a half, I went to the board members who were living it and took their advice and guidance, you know, not someone that's, you know, going to be able to say, well, I think you should, you know, so that, that to me, so key. Which is so, exciting too, because this means people right. are getting an opportunity to get on a board with skill sets that that necessarily boards weren't asking for before. Ooh, give me someone with an right. HR background. Give me someone with a digital transformation background. And all of a sudden, these these people who have these great, you know, skill sets are are really looking to be added to a board where necessarily that wasn't the list of qualifications, you know, um, you know, years ago for for the first mm-hmm. thing that they were looking for. And so it's it's great to kind of expand that. And I'm sure Kim's seen that a lot as well. Yeah, it's the most important asset you have, right? So let's shift. How do we guide leaders and companies to do this? Because quite frankly, if they're not convinced after this conversation so far, we should short their stock. But um, Kim, what should they do? I think the biggest thing is that um, organizations need to recognize that at the most senior level, the best development you can give any senior executive is to be on a board outside your company. And it's Mm -hmm. to be able to rub elbows with others, recognize that there's diversity of thought, bring that back into their own organization. So it's really just giving women, especially the license to go out to look for these opportunities and to be encouraged to do that. And the other thing that's super important here is that board directors within the company that these women are part of need to be part of their search for board opportunities. So, So women need to actually leverage the board directors in the companies they're in 
to get the introductions. So we're actually seeing more board directors mm-hmm. being responsible for the women in these organizations and taking them to the places where they rub elbows with others that in fact can have the opportunity available. So we're actually seeing more and more companies take responsibility for making sure that that women recognize that this is a developmental opportunity and that they get the support they need and that they actually get the introductions, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah, it. I gosh, I just thought back on in business school, one of my favorite classes was corporate board governance. And in it, I remember learning that, you know, the 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 ideal you know, director on a board is engaged with that senior leadership or executive leadership team in the company that they're on the board for. And they know who they are, you know, what they're bringing to the table, their value, their impact, their skills, their experience. So to your very point, the ability to have that interaction and communication is so key to the development. Um, Jocelyn, what do you think? What guidance would you give companies? Like, hey, here's here are the three things you need to do. Yeah, so I think a lot of it is, um, you know, first of all, it's setting the intention. And what I see out there is most people have the intention. They, um, you know, maybe it's it's a little bit of selection bias because the people that come to us are already looking for diversifying their boards. But but I find uh, so many people out there are trying to do the right thing, trying to find the people. Um, the, the trick becomes in operationalizing that intention. And that is where the rubber meets the road. And that's where really it's about looking outside that network and that traditional set of systems. So whatever the traditional set of systems are that are being delivered to you that aren't working, then you have to change them. Um, So if you're getting delivered a slate of non-diverse candidates, you have to rip the slate up. And I've seen many CEOs do this. Mm -hmm. So it's also um, taking a stand. I've heard this um, at least twice in the last month from two CEOs who were working with people who kept delivering them slates of people that didn't match what they were saying in terms of diversity. And they just said, it's not good enough. Um, Keep going. Got to go further. Got to go farther. And I think the other thing too is, is you have to always be expanding your own network. Don't leave it up to your chief people officer or your nom-gov chair to do that work for you. Another great statement um, someone said on one of our conversations is the CEO is the chief diversity officer. It starts there um, and, and, and it has to be there. It doesn't matter if there's also a role dedicated to it or if there's a, you know, a, a mandate on the board or whatever it might be. But there is a tone that needs to be set throughout the organization because diversity doesn't stop at the board. It's, it's something that's very wide and broad and deep um, all the way to supply chain and product management and everything else. Uh, so I think that, that really, though, when it comes yeah. to the board and the way that, that um, you know, we've talked about so eloquently here that it is a relationship. It isn't like a put a spec out there, hire someone, you know, in two weeks type of job. I think really it is about reaching outside the network. And his name is escaping me, but one of the Nielsen CEOs was given great grief because he declared, I am the CEO and the chief diversity officer. And I remember in, in this article, they talked about how, you know, it, you know, no, you need to focus on the business. But to your very point, like that's the foundation of the business. That is the business. Is, yes. is the culture, you know, the values, the morals, the perspectives. And so, yeah, so, so true. Um, Sarah, how about you? Three key things well, one businesses thing I w- should be doing. 
Well, one thing I would like to, to, to follow up on there, too, is that I also think that women should look to, um, you know, if you're not the CEO, look to your CEO, look to your boss and get them to get behind you, get them to be an advocate for you, get them to really, um, you know, say, hey, you know, have that conversation. I want a board position. Can you support me? Make sure that the, the company is behind it and, and get them as an advocate in your corner to proactively help you with those sorts of positions. So in terms of companies, number one, they need to be having more conversations um, um, around and with fantastic candidates so that this isn't, you know, something that they're having a hard time selling, you know, up the pipeline, that it's more of an unbelievable, you know, discovery. We didn't even know that kind of talent was out there. We didn't even know, you know, that this sort of, um, you know, uh, perspective and skill set could be brought onto our company. So we really encourage people to, to, to expand out the kinds of curated conversations they're having, as long as you obviously fit the, you know, the, the basic criteria of, of what companies are looking for on their board. And, and we find that that's really where a lot of those light bulb moments come in. Those conversations lead to great company insights, lead to great introductions, and lead to great uh, unique board members there as well. Um, furthermore, you know, you're seeing a lot of, you know, people respond to, to, um, to consumers wanting this. You know, they may not exactly mm -hmm. see everything transparent of your board, but you see them pushing back in terms of what is your commitment, you know, to, to, to social impact? What is your commitment to diversity? And, and it's really also about, you know, honoring, you know, the consumers out there that, that are wanting, you know, a lot of these uh, companies to be able to live their values. And then when you start to pull, pull the curtain, um, you know, and, and, and who's the, the man behind the curtain and it t does tend to be a lot of men and then voila, we, you know, Sadly, we, see what that, yeah. we see what that looks like, you know, and you can, we can start to see that more with private. At, uh, private companies as well. So I would really say, you know, that, that listening to the consumers, really having more of those curated conversations. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, just looking at, you know, the, the, the business numbers and, 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 and understanding and making this case that this is, this is good for business and that this is about increasing um, profits, that this isn't, you know, a, like I said, you know, a, a throw a girl a bone or a nice to do or looks great on the website. This is fundamentally about building a better business. And I think that argument is the one that constantly resonates and will hold strong. Absolutely. And, and not only the consumers and employees, right? But the investors, the shareholders. Completely. Because you have, ecosystem. right? It's like you have such heightened awareness now in terms of sustainability. And this is, you know, a key priority um, under sustainability. Um, Kim, any other recommendations or suggestions for businesses? And I know you partner with a number of large companies who have who are working with you to get their executive leaders board ready to place them on boards. Yeah, we do that. And one of the things that we did that was really interesting is um, we started looking at the placements we'd made on public boards and we were uh, actually interviewing women who had been placed and we asked them, what did they think the three most critical things were that helped them land that board seat? And they said that they had the ability to bring a diverse uh, set of thinking. They had the ability to collaborate. And the last one, which was really the big surprise was it's about gravitas. It was about the level and depth of gravitas that they could bring to the board in terms of credibility. And so then we began to study what was gravitas. Mm -hmm. And that was all around being fairly provocative and being able to be different on the board 
in terms of what was expected. And so it was actually, instead of having statements that you made, you actually asked questions. Instead of being the person that had the answer, you waited until everyone had done their, given their contribution. And then you set the stage by creating a different context and, and having people view things a little bit differently. And so it was really, it was really quite exciting to start thinking about the characteristics that are actually changing that women can begin to um, emulate that are, mm-hmm. are one of the many reasons that people are getting these roles. So it's, it's recognizing that there's a long way to go in terms of the coaching process and it's, uh, but it's very exciting and one that I think, uh, you know, we're excited to be part of that coaching process because it's, it's new, yeah. it's different. Well, and, and all three of you incredible female leaders manifest gravitas. I love it. Um, Kim, I know you've already shared your URL and, and I'm just going to be all sales focused here because I want other companies and leaders to take advantage of the great services and support that all three of you provide. Sarah, what's your URL? Beyond Board, B-O-A-R-D dot co, not com, beyondboard.co. I always say if it's board, B-O-R-E-D, then we've made a big mistake. So oh, beyondboard.co. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jocelyn, your URL. Uh, we, we are hemforher.org. Excellent. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, all three of you, for being here today. Uh, I feel all the more informed and all the more energized, and and I know that our audience does too. Um, I want to thank everybody who is listening in today. Um, I trust you have a lot of key takeaways as an individual things you can do now to better prepare yourself for board opportunities. And more importantly, as leaders of organizations, what you need to be doing to maintain that you have the appropriate and diverse and productive board. So lots and lots to take away. I want to thank Voice America for giving me and New this opportunity to share our voice and mission to all of you every week. And fear not, we're going to keep going for a couple more months. We're super excited. We have over 6,000 listeners now. So thank you to each and every one of you. Join us next week. We're going to discuss power moms and how, as a power mom, and how as corporations can assist power moms to integrate their work and personal lives in these increasingly crazy and tricky times. And everybody hears about work-life balance doesn't exist. (laughs) You're going to hear about the work-life sway. So I trust you'll all join us to learn more about new and listen to all of our podcasts. You can always check us out at newonline.org. And again, huge favor before everybody leaves us, We want to hear your thoughts on what types of topics you'd love to hear us cover. So please reach out to me at connect at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. 
Until we talk again, enjoy your week.